Welcome to Old Town New World. We're here in downtown Rock Hill at uh, Millstone Pizza, and we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. We have a couple guests on the show. Of course, we have behind the mic Micah. Hello, Micah. Yep, there he is. That's well said. Well said, my friend. And uh, we have, uh, who, who was on the podcast, I guess, last week, maybe week before, we have Camille from Reverend Club. Hello. All right. And we have our guest today is Ani Subotic. said it correctly. Hello. <laughs> All right. So uh, we appreciate you being here, Ani. And um, we are going to be learning more about you. Um, first of all, Subotic. Okay, let's start there. So what, what kind of name is this? Where does this come from? Okay, well, my dad is um, he's actually from Montenegro. Okay. So, yeah, he's half Greek, half Montenegrin. I think that's how you correctly conjunct, uh, you know, say it. Um, and my mom is Slovene, so, but my last name is Montenegrin, basically. Oh, wow. But I am a mix of three different nationalities. Yeah. So, and yeah. And you seem to you speak like you're American, so where... <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, right. yeah uh, well, I was born in Greece, and my mom and my dad met in Slovenia and then moved to Greece together. So um, they, for some reason, always, because my dad is a basketball coach, we moved around a lot, even while we were in Greece. They had some sort of feeling that we might end up moving to a country where I won't know the language. Okay. So they decided to put me in an American school. Okay. I was in a Greek preschool, so I learned Greek. I was is put that in because uh, English is prolific? Um, it's the, like the second most common language in the world. Okay. Uh, I think we're second or third, I'm not sure. But I mean, as, at least in Europe, I could always be put in international schools, even right. if I would go to another country, which language I didn't know. So they put me in a, I was in a Greek preschool, so I learned Greek. At home I learned Croatian and uh, Slovene from my parents. And then I was put in a Greek, uh, sorry, in, um, American kindergarten up until sixth grade. I was in an American school in Greece, so I learned English. Then we moved to Slovenia, but my Slovene wasn't good enough to be put in a Slovene public school. And since I had already been used to the American curriculum, I was put in an international school, which is a bit similar. So, um, but yeah, and then there I learned German because it's one of the requirements in the Slovene high school. And then uh, I, when I was 17 years old, I applied and I to Winthrop and I came here. And uh, I learned Spanish my first year. So I'm pretty, yeah. So how many languages do you speak? I would say proficiently I speak around four. I mean, I'm very, really proficient, and then I have elementary uh, knowledge in two of them, German and Spanish. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So, so which language do you feel most comfortable in? English? English, definitely. I think in English. I speak in English. Everything. English. Yeah, fascinating statement. You think in English. Yeah. yeah. But if I go home for a longer period of time, I'll start thinking in my own language. And I'll start forgetting English words. It's really weird. And I'll even develop an accent. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Very, it's very funny. Every time uh, we're going home, like internationals are going home for for Christmas, we tend to have like a, our own accent. Like I have a thicker French accent, and Annie will have like a thicker Slovene accent. It's so so funny. I don't know what the Slovene accent sounds like since I've never had it, but apparently I come back with an accent, and me and her will laugh at each other because we'll start talking. Because by the way, everyone, Camille is my lovely roommate. Um, her and I will start speaking and we'll laugh at each other because we'll be really in the conversation but because we hadn't practiced English in three weeks or four weeks we'll be like blah 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 um, what's that word again what's that word again um, and I'll develop an accent and then I'll stay here for a longer period of time and then I'll have like a southern twang all of a sudden but then I'll be in, around internationals and my accent will magically appear and then around Americans some people think I'm Canadian or I'm a Yankee it's really weird how that works. I guess the only, only way I can relate to that is um, when I was up north for a little while, I became more southern. Yeah. Like, it's almost like it exaggerated yeah. my southern Well, because uh, you want to show it off. I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So I think that's what happens when I'm in my international friends. And it's not like I force it. It just naturally happens. Yeah. So then I have a thicker accent when I'm around all my international friends. But when I'm around my, my coworkers who are all American, you know, my assistants, well, all American and even Southern, I start to, you know, say y'all a lot. And, yeah, right. You know, let's go get some sweet tea and <laughs> yeah. I sound really Southern. Yeah. yeah. That's too cool. Okay, so first of all, your, bas your dad's a basketball coach, so that's cool. Because yeah. I'm a basketball coach of nine, of 11-year-old uh, oh, okay. boys. Yeah, so yeah, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> but he probably coaches at a higher level. Than yeah, he, he coached pretty professionally, oh, cool. uh, and he still does. Um, that's where I get my height from. Oh, okay. Everyone, I'm 6'1". I'm pretty tall, I know. Uh, I know I've never played basketball or volleyball, 
but yeah, my dad uh, pro coached professionally in Greece, Slovenia, um, Italy, and now in Lebanon. Oh, wow. Yeah. In Lebanon. Lebanon. Wow. So have you been to Lebanon? Yes, twice. Okay. Yeah. Really, loved, really, really liked it. Reminded you know, me of Greece a lot. I heard a guy, we, we, we were hanging out with a guy here the other night. Were you here when uh, he was talking about how it was, Lebanon is such a wonderful place? It is. Yeah. It's very beautiful. I mean, at one point it used to be the Paris of the Middle East. Yeah, they, that's how they refer. We have a, there's a lot, a huge French population there actually, and the Greek Orthodox as well. There's a lot of culture there. So obviously, when I was there, um, it definitely reminded me of Greece. Yeah. Yeah. Their their driving is a little bit more hectic, but yeah, it reminded yeah. me of Greece. <laughs> the food's even similar. So really? yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So okay. So you went pretty quickly around the world as you as you said everything that is a part of who you are. So. Um, Excuse me if I if I missed a beat there, but um, so as far as where where did you kind of uh, is there a place where you kind of had your childhood where you would say that's where I grew up? That's how I see it. I, I always tell people Greece was definitely my childhood because I lived there until I was eleven, almost twelve, so preteen. She's always uh, doing a Greek salad, and I'm like, oh, it reminds me of home. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it, it really does. Um, so that's my childhood, and then I consider Slovenia my, my teenage years, okay. my high school year, you know, going through that awkward phase that everyone has to go through, unfortunately. And I would consider my the beginning of my adult life in here in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So it's kind of like my stages in life, it's just by country that I've been in. So, so Greece, Slovenia, and Rock Hill, South Carolina. Rock Hill, South Man, Carolina. That, that makes me smile from <laughs> ear to ear, you have no idea. Um, so please excuse my ignorance and, and probably the one person out there that is as ignorant as me, but where is Slovenia? It's not the first time I've heard that, don't worry. Um, it's a, I don't expect people to know, it's a really tiny country. It used to be part of Yugoslavia. Okay. So it's bordered by Italy, Austria, Hungary, and Croatia. It's very top of Croatia, very top of Yugoslavia. I mean, we're really tiny, there's only two million of us. Is it mountainous? It's, it's mountainous and it's coastal, it's got everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, near so Austria. Okay. Yeah, near Austria, it's Alp, we have our Alps. Okay. And also some tip of Italy, but then the you know, southern you go, you have Croatia and Italy, and we have a coast opening right there. Yeah, and then we, yeah, so it's it's a bit of both. Okay. Well, I have been to Austria, so I guess I wasn't too far away. Yeah, and it's very similar to Austria, the, the, the style of houses and architecture and everything. Okay. It's, it's similar to that. I think that's kind of mostly all of Europe, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, but it's similar to that, definitely. Very cool, very cool. Okay, so you said when you were 17, you applied to Winthrop. Yes. Okay, so my question is, how in the world, and I literally mean in the world, did you yeah. hear of Winthrop? It's actually a funny story. Um, my brother did, uh, his, he's one year, he's two years older than me, but I went a year earlier to school, so academically we were just one year apart. So when I was a junior in high school, he, uh, he did his senior year in Seneca, South Carolina, Seneca High School. He did a foreign exchange program, it's what he wanted to do. How did they know of Seneca, South Carolina? Well, it's, it's kind of like a, he got picked by a family, by a host family, yeah, That's, that had done it before. So he, he went there and he did really well, took all AP classes, so Winthrop invited him here on a scholarship. And it was a really good scholarship for international students. It basically waived the out-of-state tuition fee, you know, so we would pay, be paying in-state tuition, and it almost covered half of our costs. So it was pretty, pretty good scholarship. So a year later, when it was my turn to decide whether or not I was going to study at home or go to America, I was like, okay, well, me and my brother are really close as well. So I was like, I, was, I applied to Boston University and I applied to Winthrop. Boston University was because kind of wrong reasons because I want to be reconnected with my Greek friends yeah um, and Winthrop was okay well my brother's there I might as well see what it's like I got into Winthrop and with a scholarship and I was like okay Boston University that's like 50 million dollars a year and no scholarship or yeah sorry billion maybe even trillion no I'm joking um, and um, and then I got to Winthrop same scholarship and I was like okay and my brother's here uh, there's another girl from our country that's here. I get a great scholarship and I get to study in America. I think I'm going to go to Winthrop. Yeah, and I didn't even get to see. I found out in end of uh, beginning of the uh, middle of June that I got accepted. So I had to pack up my things wow. and, uh, and you were 17 years old. I was 17. I was 3 months shy of being 18. Yeah. Wow. So I turned 18 when I came here. Yeah. 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 And so you, you, you did a four-year degree at Winthrop? Yes, I did, yeah. Okay. And, and what did you study? 
I started integrating marketing communication, same as Camille. Okay, okay. Yeah, we met um, actually as yeah, she sat next to me oh, in one of our classes. And the, first, the first thing I said to her was like, oh, I love your shoes. Damn, you have big foot. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, I kind of didn't like her in the beginning. Right. <laughs> and now, like a year and after, like, we're still roommates. Yeah, that's great. So, so this is a question for both of you all. Um, I mean, is there, a, is there a positive among young people in Europe? Is, is America looked at positively as like, I'd love to go there, I, I wish I had the opportunity to go there? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, um, well, you always have some people that are really judgmental, you know, and they have their stereotypes and, you know, have their stereotypes of what America, you know, because we just see from movies. You know, I, of course, a lot of my friends when they first came here, they were like international friends now. Oh my God! I want to see the red cup party and play beer pong, and you know, the, I'm pretty sure the frat houses are like anim, the movie Animal House, and you know, they chant and run naked down the street. They they see it that way, so that's just something so surreal because we don't have campuses back home. We have, we have oh, at least in Slovenia, we have a big old building where you have cl your classes in. It's not a campus. It's probably in the middle of the city as well. So having a campus is definitely. Well, America definitely supports extended adolescence, so yeah. I think yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. if that's your deal, yeah. But at the same time, I feel like it's, it's, it's a lot, you can complete your degree here a lot faster than you would back home. Back home, it's a, it's a bit different how it works. So I have friends who are still in college and they're the same age as me, uh, and they still might be for another two years. Is Camille that same thing with you? or? Um, you mean like for college and then like, yeah. I mean like it's, um, I've been like, we all like, all, it's very funny because when I'm talking to Americans, all of them want to do like a, want to go to Europe and uh, like do a European road trip and every Europeans, when I'm coming home, I'm like the American, my grandma calls me the American and she's like, yeah, it's so cool, you're like drinking with like red cups, as you said, Annie, like That's you're so doing beer pongs yeah. and so yeah, so that is so, and really oh fascinates us really? though, yeah, I mean, not me anymore. But all my friend, my, my friend, when she turned 21, she asked me, I was like, okay, I'm coming home for the summer, what do you want? Can you bring me a hundred of those red cups or blue cups? Because we want to play, I want to have an American themed birthday party. And I'm like, okay. Because we don't have, we have normal plastic see-through cups back home, that's it. We don't have red cups, but. And now we, we have like those red cups, it's so usual for us. And like everyone, like when they see on Facebook or pictures of, of parties, they're like, Oh my God! Is it really like this all the time? I'm like, yeah. And you know, like we don't, we don't, we don't notice it. it. Yeah. We don't notice it anymore. We're just like, okay. You know, so we have a new marketing strategy, Camille at Revenue. <laughs> We're gonna sell red cups all over Europe. No, it's We're gonna, gonna, it's gonna Europe. work. And yeah. if you sell beer pong tables or just anything yeah. related to solo cups, yeah. it's gonna sell. It's oh, gonna be man. big. We're in. We're my in. friend still has those cups, by the way. She's <laughs> after two years, she still has them. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, and yeah. even. Even Aurélien, my fiancé, he has like a, a cup in the bathroom. No just way. like to remind him, like to secrecy. Because like, for example, what, you know, what fascinates Americans about Europeans is that, you know, we drink a lot of wine, we, we seem really classy. I don't know, not cla not that I'm saying, yeah, but you know, we, we, we um, our appetizers are like cheese and grapes, you know, here it's like, fried shrimp yeah, and calamari right. and and you get that every once in a while and then back home back home we're always like wow this american style is so different you know they use those solo cups that are cool because they're colored and we don't have that it's just i don't know and you know like it's like the very like expression the grass is greener right of course at your neighbors and it's always like this, like when you're European and want to be American and you're struggling, struggling with the green card and yeah. when you're American, you want to go to Europe and you want yeah. to travel like and every every time I'm like speaking to an American, they're like always amazed at how like you can drive a little bit, like maybe two hours. And even for me from Strasbourg, like driving 10 minutes to right. go to Germany and they have like a totally different culture, totally different language. But I mean, like if you're driving from Texas to Oregon, it's a total, it's a total culture and a total, sometimes a well, different is, accent. But that's like driving from Spain to Russia. I mean, exactly, yeah. the United States is so big. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think that's what fascinate fascinated a lot of my friends at first, especially my South American friends that are from Brazil. Uh, we'd be talking over summer, and I'd be like, and Slovenia is so tiny that 
I'm, I'm in the capital, which is right in the dead smack in the middle. If I go, you know, if I go northeast, I'm gonna end up, wait, northeast, let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna end up in Hungary. An hour and a half, I'll end up in Hungary. An hour and a half, I'll end up in Italy. An hour and a half, I'll end up in Croatia. In 45 minutes, I'll end up in Austria. So I'd be like texting my friends, and they'd be like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to Italy for the weekend. And they're like, oh, what? And I'm like, it's, well, it's just an hour away. And they're so fascinated by that. that because you know, in the United States, it's still America. Back home, it's now European Union, but it's a completely different culture and a language. It, it, it and this is my American perspective, the kind of the grass is greener over there kind of perspective. But one thing I, I see as advantageous about that is, <clears throat> excuse me, an openness to cultural, you know, different cultures because they're so close and they're so integrated. Versus, you know, I think we tend to, in the United States, a lot of people tend to not be very open to other cultures because it, it takes a lot to experience a different culture. you gotta, you got to spend thousands of dollars to fly somewhere to experience a different culture. I know. You know and a lot of people never, their whole lives in the United States, never experience a different culture. A passport. Like, that's what blows my mind. I had a passport before I was even one years old, and here I have so many friends that don't even have a passport. Well, they've never needed them. Yeah. It, it takes so much money to need a passport. Wow. To crazy. go anywhere where you need a passport, it's almost, I mean, unless you're going to drive to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. You know, which is easy and to you do. Can use your driver's license in the U.S. Like, right, yeah, so, yeah. Just, see, it's crazy. I don't think I have one friend back home that doesn't have a passport. And here it's well, like. Well, you described. I mean, you yeah. go 45 minutes, you're going to be in a different country. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, now when it's the European Union, it's there's no borders anymore. Um, but, you know, before it was, it's just, I don't know, it's just surreal to me, I guess. Cause yeah. It's just so different, and uh, I remember when I had a few American friends. My roommate, actually, she didn't have a passport, and uh, she asked to see mine because she wanted to see how the stamps looked like and my yeah, picture yeah. and everything. I, and I was like, wow, that's weird. I feel like this is the most common form of identification. Well, it's not as common as red solo cost. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. yeah. So, um, being here, as you are, um, and, and I don't know how much you've seen... Uh, what's happening in, in downtown. We're, we're doing our best to revitalize this notion of the village, right. which is very European at its core. Yeah. This idea that the, the downtown is a, is a cultural, vi culturally vibrant... Like a little city. A little city, a little interactive. You have, you have uh, diversity, you have interactivity, you have economy, all happening in a little microcosm. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, are you seeing that happening here in this place? I've been here for four and a half years, and I can honestly say that the number of times I've been in Old Town Rock Hill in this past year is probably more than in just three years, for example. I've, but um, I had an internship in the city of Rock Hill, actually, in the tourism department okay. over the summer. And uh, when they told me about, and I've been here for four and a half years, but up until recently I didn't have a car, so I couldn't really go around as much as I wanted to. But just driving around now, I'm like, wow, well, this wasn't here four years ago, right, and yeah, that yeah. wasn't here four years ago, and there's so many things going on in Old Town, and everyone's wanting to eat lunch here over, yeah. over the, their lunch break, and I feel like, yeah, it has taken a bit of time, but I'm definitely seeing, seeing more, um, how do I say it? I'm definitely seeing a bigger population here on a day-to-day -day basis. So do you see that as a positive change? Uh, yeah, I see it as a positive change. And I, I like that. I like... I like to go, you know, in the city back home, like you go to downtown and you have so many coffee shops. I mean, I'm not saying that it's going to be that big, but it's nice just walking around, you park your car, you walk around, meet your friends, you go to a little store, you go get something to eat, you go have a coffee after, you go get some ice cream. That's what I miss a lot. That's one thing, I, obviously I miss my family and friends every day, but when I think about the lifestyle, I, think I, 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 I miss out on just walking through the city on a beautiful day and sitting at that coffee shop if I want to, or going to eat over there. And I'm getting the feeling that it's happening here. Yeah. You know, even with Amelie's opening or Jimmy John's opening, just like food places opening, that it's already grabbing our attention. So I see, and I think I see that as a very positive thing because now people want, and now with the Fountain Park, people are going to want to walk around and want to hang out. Yeah. Well, a, it's been a lot of hard work to bring this stuff um, <clears throat> to Rock Hill. <clears throat> you know it. It's really been a 25-year process, pretty much, and um, I've been involved in it for 10 years. And it, and it's in some ways it's really like painfully slow, yeah. but in some ways it's actually fast. I mean, if you look at, if you back up and, and think about, I know uh, 
both Camille and you are, are, are young, and so five years is a long time, but if you back up for a minute and see how much change has happened in this place yeah. over five years, five years is nothing. You know, you look at, yeah, I mean, so it's pretty radical in that One sense. Year, a lot has happened. Yeah. I have, um, I work in the Office of Admissions at Winthrop, and, you know, we host a lot of events where, you know, parents, and there's children or, you know, future possible students come to visit, they check out the campus. A lot of the parents are alums. A lot of them haven't been here since they graduated, which for some has been just two years. No, no, excuse me, no. For some has been just like 10 years. You know, some has been a little bit more than that. And every time I meet an alum, uh, they always say, wow, there's so many things here that ha that weren't here. When I and even for now, like, I think it's growing, but I think still think it could be better. Oh, of course. Yeah, We're but that's the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But then when I hear what they say, well, we didn't have this and we didn't have that. And what about that velodrome and BMX thing and that and that and that, everything that's going on. I'm like, wow, if I think it's already kind of like, you know, need some help. I can't imagine what they thought about exactly. it like yeah. 10 or 20 yeah. years ago. Well, it's definitely at the, of course, I, I am one of those people that I'm always at the beginning. Like, I'm perpetually at the very beginning. Like, I love that way of thinking. Because we are always, there's so much more to do. There's so much more to come. There's so much more we can do. You know, but it's happening all over the United States. Yeah. Uh, towns are recognizing that what happened, you know, we started from the 1950s on, we started developing cities to move around the automobile. And it destroyed our cities because it started compartmentalizing everything. Like you put healthcare out over here, you put living, residential out over here, you put commercial over here, and then you, you build roads to move the automobile around as quickly as you possibly can. And I know that, you know, America's uh, done some great things in terms of the automobile and all stuff we did in industry and all that it's great but there's a rebirth of what I call the connected village and it's more similar to what we would um, kind of visualize as being a European kind of concept around what a city is yeah. it's that place that you go to that together is that kind of interwoven cultural yeah. experience you know you walk down the street and you say hi to five people that you know yes exactly like yeah. that's what it happens with my city exactly. that's why I'm always late for coffee dates because right. I end up seeing five different people I stop and talk to yeah exactly and the thing is is that you know a, a good just blue-collar Americans appreciate uh, family community uh, and culture yet it seems different this like new kind of like urban revitalization looks a little gritty it looks a little bohemian it looks a little punk rock you know and so there's this uh, kind of uh, cultural clash going on with, uh, with this revitalization but the truth is is that the most conservative American loves family and community and that's what it's all about that's what this is you know I mean Camille and I even though you know we have our own families back home We've established like our little own family here, you know, and it's it's a bunch of internationals and American people mixed together that just happen to get along, and we do so many things together. You know, we go bowling together, we have movie nights together, we have, and it's always been it's always going to be about that. It's just you have to find a place where you feel comfortable being, you know, together, and. Uh, that's that's definitely what I'd like to see for Rock Hill, um, because when I first heard it, when I I remember when uh, when uh, I pulled off the interstate the first day I got here, jet lag, tired, you know, just horribly sleepy, and uh, my brother told me, okay, so we're now on Cherry Road. This is one of the three main roads in Rock Hill, and I'm like, okay, well, show me the downtown area, and we drove through, and this was four and a half years ago, which we didn't have, wasn't much here, or everything was, but it was like leaving. And I was like, this is their city? And I'm like, do people hang out here? And he was like, not really, no. But now I hear more and more friends going to McHale's for, you know, for the night. Or Yeah, and it's four and a half years ago, that wouldn't have happened. Like, know, yeah. Have you heard of the courtroom? I've heard of it, but I've never been there, no. Well, it's right across the street. It's, it is an actual old courtroom, historic courtroom. Right. And um, uh, this guy named Mike Gentry has shows in it. A lot of them are punk rock related, but some of them are, there's all different types of genres of music, but it's all indie kind of music, you know, and they serve beer out of the bench, like where the judge would sit, you know. Really? Yeah, and they and they bring in anywhere from 50 to 150 kids from Charlotte, Columbia, people drive from all over the place to go in that little courtroom right across the street. Have a good time. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a gem in yeah. this community, you know. So I, I, I feel like, you know, a lot of times that kind of stuff 
Um, I, I do credit actually the civic leaders of this city, the mayor and that crowd, because they do recognize. I mean, they might not go to a courtroom show, because you know, but they recognize the importance of that. You know, we can't underestimate the importance of a coffee shop. You know, one time I had somebody tell me when we were working on all this stuff. He said, and it's a, a man I respect very much, um, and he's a he's a pillar in this community. He said, who cares? He said, look, who cares about a coffee shop? Because how many people are they going to employ? I mean, like, what, three or four? And my response to that was, it's not the amount of people that they employ. It's the amount of people that choose to live in Rock Hill because of that culture. And those people will create businesses and jobs and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, working for the city over the summer, um, you know, I, I only then realized how... Rock Hill, how much Rock Hill has grown in just the four and a half years that I've been here and how much it will continue to grow. It is it is a slow process, but the team that I met is so committed and so devoted to it and you can see that it's it's all about having the community here, you know. They opened up the BMX, um, the BMX, I don't know, you could call it center, I forgot, but um, we're going to be hosting the 2016 World Championships there in Rock Hill, South Carolina. BMX is a big deal I mean, all over the world. What's cooler than BMX? I, I mean, know. come on. You know? And it's just, it blows my mind that that's going on in Rock Hill, South Carolina. So when, in 10 years or 20 years, when people say, where'd you go to school? And I say, Rock Hill, South Carolina. They're going to be like, oh, that's where that is and that is. I'm like, yes, exactly. Red Cellar Cups and BMX. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember when I told my professor in high school that I was going to school in South Carolina, he was like, South Carolina, that's a, that's a place you come from, not that you go to. And that really... That really made me mad, so I want to I want to show him, you know. Good for you. Good for you. And it's always like when you when you come like describing to your family where you where you're living, where you where you were studying, and when you're working now, you're like, oh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they're like, oh yeah, it's very close to from Charlotte, North Carolina, and you know, like it's, I, I just I wish that one day like we can do like Rock Hill, South Carolina. It would be like. Yeah, it's it's Rock Hill, and not saying that. Oh, it's very close from Charlotte. Oh, it's very close from like it's it's too hard. Charlotte is close to Rock Hill, South Carolina. The other way around, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have two friends. One of my friends, her brother and his friend are visiting, and I was really curious to see what they would think of Rock Hill, and they love it here. And it, I think it's because of the community. It's because of us, the, the little friendship and family we formed here with each other, and the people we bring in and we hang out with, and what we do together, and where we go together. Like every day, we've been doing something. Whether it's going to a pub at night, whether we're going bowling, whether we're just going out for dinner, they don't want to leave. They're already like getting depressed about leaving and wanting to apply to Winthrop to stay here. That's great. Yeah. We even have like um, for internationals, and that's like a very good call for internationals. We have. At the end of the month, we have um, friendship dinner organized on um, Oakland Avenue at the Baptist, Baptist Avenue. Baptist. Uh, it's the BCM. Yeah, it's like the church, a very small church. Yeah, and they have like they're organizing this um, like dinner at 6 p.m. on Friday, like the last Friday of the month, and it's. That's how I met my uh, American host family, and I mean, like, they're gonna be at my wedding. Like, they're so nice. Like, I've been driving like four wheelers. I'm gonna like shoot guns. I mean, like, you know, like, it's it's. You've been so shooting shotguns. Try yeah. <laughs> moonshine yet? Jeez. Yeah, like it's. It, you're doing like you're not in another country to like stick with your. I, at, at the beginning, I was sticking with French people, and I'm like, no, I need to meet like locals. I need to yeah. meet like South Carolinians. I need to meet like yeah. Americans and like talk. The guy, oh my God, Keith, if you're hearing that, like, he told me, Keith, he told me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach you how to speak, um, uh, redneck. Yeah. <laughs> he was like telling me y'all and like the right yeah. accent. You, it, so much fun. Perfect. So much. Well, we have a huge listening audience in France, so I'm sure they're proud of uh, proud of you. In Greece, I hope. Yeah, actually, we have about 60% of Slovenia uh, listening to yeah, this podcast. Yeah, actually, you know, like all eight of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. so, it's not that many, but okay. <laughs> so, was Slovenia part of uh, Soviet Russia? Yeah. Okay. Everyone thinks it was. We had our own form. It was like a socialism. We called it Tito Titoism. Titoism. It was from our former leader. Um, we were not, no. Okay. Every, it's because we're near to them and, you know, our, our languages kind of sound similar. Well, Slovene, not that much, more Serbian. Slovene. 
Uh, hi, I'm Annie. Nice to meet you. Okay. Živo je sam Ani. Zelo sem vesela, da sem vas spoznala. Let's do one more sentence. I'm happy to be in Rock Hill and I'm excited about the future. Zelo sem vesela, da sem v Rock Hillu in sem ful nestrpna in niso vesela za prihodnost mojo. Wow, okay. See, I don't even sound like when I speak in my language, I don't even sound... I definitely don't sound American. <laughs> you, you sounded redneck when you said that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yo, you know, added, yo. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. I'm from Slovenia, y'all. Yes, I'm Slovenia, y'all. That's great. That's too funny. No, Very I, do it, cool. I do it to my friends, though, back home. Like, if I, because, if, you know, if I'm here for almost 10 months straight and then I go back home for the summer, the first couple of weeks, I'm like, Generating, I mean, switching from Slovene to English all the time. Yeah. Uh, if I don't, if I can't remember how to say a certain word, I'll just switch to transition to English. And every time I do that, I'm always like, y'all. And then they're like, what are you, George Bush? And yeah, always, always. Oh my God, that's so funny. Wow. <laughs> always yeah. like that. That's too, what are you, George Bush? Well, think, when they hear the southern accents, they only think of George Bush. Really? They only think of George Bush. And they're like, so how, how is South Carolina? Do they sound like... Do they sound like George Bush? I'm like, actually, there is a kind of distinction between the Texan, Texan Southern accent, yeah, and it's, the, it's different, very different. But you have to be here to know that. You ha yeah, yeah. And they're like, I don't believe it. It's all sounds the same to me. Yeah. And they're all like, it sounds like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I um I stayed with a family in uh, Bordeaux, France, for three weeks when I was in France for prison. When I was in high school, and um, so me and the and the kid who was my age. Uh, we, we finally got around to sharing what the, the stereotype of what we thought the other sounded like. Oh yeah, yeah. And I and I said, you sound like bully, 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 bully. <laughs> and he goes, well, you sound like wah 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 wah. wah. <laughs> That's so true. I make fun of Camille all the time. Camille, guys, oh my God, I was telling her one time that um, my dad makes this great artichoke dish, and she kept on asking me what, and I'm like artichoke, I, what is that? And I'm like. Kami artichoke, it's like kind of a vegetable. I mean, I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's a vegetable. And then I'm like, and she got, she kind of got on my nerves because she's like, what, what? And I'm like, come on, like, you know what it is. So I, I joked with her. I'm like, oh God, artichoke. You know, I said in a French accent. She's like, ah, oui, artichoke. <laughs> so sometimes if she doesn't understand a word in English, I always, 90% of the time she'll understand it if I, if I make fun of her and say it in a French accent. It's, it's so weird, really. Yeah, you laugh. Yeah, you like you were actually. You know, like I still have a. I know, like when we're talking about artichoke, I'm like I'm just saying with the French yeah. word. She's like, Annie, I bought an artichoke today, and I'm like artichoke. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of uh, adventures together. That's for sure. I, I would imagine. Uh, I, I know that I. I hear a lot that learning music makes people intelligent, and I believe in this that because. It, it is a, a different way to uh, open the mind to uh, almost a language. Yeah. Same thing with math. Um, so learning a lot of different languages, I mean, do you think that gives you an advantage from a, obviously from a cultural perspective standpoint, but also from an intelligence standpoint? Um, the thing is, I, because I know so many different languages, you know, I know German and I know Greek, which, you know, Greek is Latin-based, German is Germanic, but they're all still, even though they kind of have their own different roots, they all have very, very, a lot of few, a lot of words in common. So it's actually kind of funny because um, I have a lot of Brazilian friends and they, I have never learned Portuguese, I've never taken a class in Portuguese, but just knowing Spanish, German, Greek, even Slovene, you believe it or not, even Slovene, when they speak in Portuguese, I can understand 85% of what they're saying. Or if I can, I formulate it because of the words. So that's, it makes it a lot easier for me to understand. Like I understand Camille sometimes when she speaks in French, and I've never learned a word of French. An, uh, an, uh, you might not get this joke, but that's an SAT uh, teacher's dream. <laughs> yeah, um, I know that, oh yeah. <laughs> um, so is Slovene a Slavic language? Yeah, it's, it is, it, yeah, it would be, I would, yeah. Okay. I would try not, yeah, we, it is. That's why people why stay. Why do you hesitate? Do you not want? No, is that a negative connotation? No, no, no. It's just it's confusing because we have a lot of Germanic words as well. Okay. So it's a bit of both. You know, yeah, like we in German for sugar you say Zucker, yeah. Zucker. Uh, it depends where if you're German or Austrian we say 
but in Slovenian you say Zucker, you know? And um, for for Germans, like kind of like a, like a little snack or like even lunchtime, they call Mahlzeit. In Slovenian we say Malta. So, you know, we have, a, and then, yeah, and some, and then we have even some Spanish derivative words, or I don't know, even Portuguese, because sometimes, like, when my friends will be saying something in Portuguese, I'll be like, oh, that's so weird, that's how we say it in Slovene. Yeah. And it'll be just like, I don't know, fruit or just a table or something. So it's just, but it can get really confusing when I know this many languages, and I try, it's... Well, if you go east from you, yeah. does it become more difficult to understand different languages? No. So, Russian and some of those languages are very close to not very close but I definitely it doesn't sound like gibberish to me okay. like it does you know for Russians they're very like nya, 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 that kind of sound most people hear it that way I hear the words that I know oh. yeah um, so, so you're kind of in the middle almost like we're, we're, we're Central Europe, we're considered, Slovenia is, and I can't stress this enough, we are Central Europe. Well, well I don't mean uh, geographically, oh, okay. I almost mean like uh, linguistically and culturally. Yeah, almost. we're more, yeah, we're more, we're right in between, you know, because we have our Germanic roots, we have, you know, our, our Slavic roots, it's just, we're just mixed, you know. Yeah, we have like this private joke, sorry folks, um, because um, my cousin was visiting like um, last year and he said oh yeah yeah Slovenia in Eastern Europe and I and I like when I'm describing like when I'm living oh yeah I'm living with an American in Slovenia you know like from Eastern Europe I got so mad at me she was like no we're in middle of Europe it's like me saying that you're Belgian coming really like and she's like oh no I'm not I'm like see that's the anger I feel like we are not Eastern Europe and I'm Texan yeah it's just, it's just, no, we're Eastern, we're not, no, we're not Eastern European, we're set, we're, formally we are considered um, Central Europe, you know. Yeah, because it's so close, like, it's very funny because you had, I mean, you had, like, um, an Austrian uh, a professor, like, that teach you, that taught you German, and uh, it's very funny because, because I speak German too, and when she's, like, when we're speaking, like, German, she's, like, she has this weird Austrian accent that I know because I'm, like, and she's like, oh, you have a weird German accent because I live so close to Germany. And it's, it's so funny. For example, in Austrian, if an Austrian German, if I want to say I am, you say ich, ich bin. But the Germans say ich bin, ich bin. And when, when she says it, I always make fun of her. I'm like, no, you're saying it so wrong. She's like, no, you're saying it weird. And it's just crazy that it's, based, it's the same language, just different like pronunciations of the words. So it's crazy. And then... Well, you know, all of this brings up something to me that I'm, uh, an idea that I hold pretty dear. And it, it's, it's constantly mis, uh, it's a quote that's constantly misquoted. Uh, I, I, like, people say it's uh, Socrates, people say it's Plato, people say it's, it's something from ancient Greece, but it's always given to a different person. Something from philosophy, basically. Yeah, I'm sure. Some people say Einstein said it, and of course he didn't, you know, but like... We trust the internet. Right, yeah, the internet tells me, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that it was uh, yeah, it was Donovan, but um, but um, but the quote is is that I am a citizen of the world. I think that is a great quote. I'm not yes, gonna lie. Is. Yeah, and the it is, and, and the idea is that thousands of years ago, you have a person who is uh, kind of pre-nationalism saying that as nationalism is being born, and then you have the you know the 18 hundreds which was like where all the countries of Europe were born and like all this stuff and then you have yeah and then you have the United States and all all through the Industrial Revolution and the total nationalism everybody pledged allegiance to their flag and everything about their country that is the defining characteristic of, of who you are yeah. being a country and we are still in the throes of that but on the other side of that the millennial generation of the United States is the first generation that is starting to rediscover the idea that you can be a citizen of the world. And what's happening is, is there's a hyper-local and a global, because those things are synonymous, they're not opposites. In other words, being like, high, like growing food in your, in your garden and buying from your local craft beer place is synonymous with being a global citizen. Um, versus, a, um, oh, bring on the food, excuse me. Here comes the food. Thank you very much. Let me bring y'all some more plates. Oh, you're good. So, so what I'm getting to is that, you know, 
nationalism has been the, the take for hundreds of years now, and it still has good qualities and stuff, and I know our, our defense systems are still built on that. The European Union is actually an example of kind of having to go beyond nationalism for purposes of economy and defense. But the United States is still about, you know, the U.S. You are first and foremost American. an American, and then you are whatever else that you are. But increasingly, the millennial generation is the first generation where people are citizens of the world. And yeah. I wonder, as non-Americans, what's your take on that? I, I, I am not going to lie. Um, I have never seen more pride for being, in, like, being from where you are than I have in America. Because back home, I feel like, yeah, people say where they're from, but that, I mean, yeah, we have stereotypes, obviously, of how people are from each country. But I don't think that's what we see, what makes them part of who they are. You know, and I am, I've lived in so many different countries and different cities in these countries, too, that I, I, when I, when people ask me where I'm from, I mean, I say where I'm from, I say, I list all three countries, and then they say, well, which one do you relate to the most? I'm like, I don't relate to anyone the most. I think that doesn't, like, I don't know how to explain it, but I think it doesn't matter. It doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't make up who I am, because I'm always going to be somewhere else. I have a feeling that way, so. Okay, so let me stop you there and ask this question, because you have a pretty unique, well, maybe not completely unique, but you have a different experience. Um, what about Slovenians who were born and bred Slovenian, will be Slovenian their whole life, and don't do much traveling, and that's where they live? Do they first and foremost and primarily define themselves as Slovenian? I have friends who do and I have friends who don't. I have friends who have a great pride. But the thing about Slovenia is that we have so many different cultures in there too. We have a lot of background, we have a lot of Bosnians, we have a lot of Serbians, we have a lot of Croatians. So even if you're born a Slovene and your mom is a Slovene but your dad isn't, you might be a Slovene citizen but you might relate to another country more just because of their background and that. There's just so many, like I'm not technically, my last name isn't Slovene, you know? It's not nearly Slovene sounding at all, but um, I think I relate to the culture. I, I, for example, I always say I was born in the wrong culture. I'm so in love with the Spanish, like Hispanic culture, the music, the food, the, the, the energy. Uh, I'm, you know, Camino is that I'm in love with that culture, and I relate more to that one, maybe because it's pretty similar to Greek, that we're very loud and happy and bubbly and family-oriented. Uh, I relate to that one, and I'm not even, ha I have, there's no part of me that has Hispanic roots at all. And I relate to that one, and I'd like to relate to that one. So, um, but I'm still proud of where I'm from, but I don't necessarily say that that defines me. It's who you, yeah, I, I feel like if you want to belong to some part, some culture, what's stopping you? You know, and I try to be a part of that culture by learning a language, by listening to the music, you know, I mean, even dating someone from that culture, so. Uh, I mean, not because of that, but it's just, you know. So, so let, me, let me direct the same question, thank you, and let me direct the same question to Camille. I mean, Camille, as much as we, as much as a certain subset of Americans like to romanticize that uh, Europeans are, um, but, you know, like, you know, you talk about, you know, your parent might be this and your dad might have married this. Well, the United States, it's like, okay, well, your mom might be from Tennessee and your, yeah. and your dad might be from, you know, Georgia, yeah. because it's geography, again, it's so yeah. big. But as much as we romanticize that Europeans are worldly, you know, I mean, Europeans are not immune from xenophobia and racism and all that That's stuff. so true. I, I didn't, back home, we are not exposed to this kind of racism. Of course, there is every country that has, you know, people that oppose to certain races, but maybe it's because we're still in the South, you know, but I've not seen that this most this much racism and hate in my life before until coming here, yeah. Well, but, but, but isn't there a lot of xenophobia in, in France? Like, isn't there a lot of angst around kind of Muslim populations and like a lot of fear of outsiders and, you yeah. know? It's, you know, like, you tend to have, I was never, um, you know, like, in France there is like, um, if you're a student, you have to be socialist. And I was, when I was a student, I was socialist, of course. And when I tend like to grow and like be like uh, turning to the professional side, and um, uh, fortunately I was able to go to America to experience like the international, and I hope I will do for the rest of my life. But you know, it's there will always be someone that will criticize someone different because I think like the human being needs to have someone 
to blame something yeah. you know like the, fear. something someone to fear someone to like we have this um, Marine Le Pen she's very um, she's a uh, She's the leader of the extreme side, the extreme uh, right wing of, of, of France, and she's starting to become bigger and bigger. And it's such a fear for French people because she she wants to go back to Frank, which was our um, we have the euro now in Europe, and she wants to go back to Frank, and that will national pride exactly because she, I mean, like she she's better than her than her father before, but she. She just brought up like all the immigration things. She brought up like immigrants and like uh, Ar from Arabic, from like Maghreb, you know, like Morocco, Tunisia, and Algeria. And Algeria is actually a former uh, uh, French colony. And you know, like it's 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 a lot that it brought up, and it it's it's just scary. And so, so is that hate? I mean, is that fear and all that stuff? I mean, do they empower that? through nationalism? Is it like we're French and we shouldn't let non-French people come in and... Yeah, we kind of... What happened with Charlie Hebdo, what happened there, it's kind of that, you know? That it's, it's, I think that, I, honestly, maybe I see it from a different perspective because since I was four years old, I was in an American school with so many different cultures. Right. My dad had was a basketball coach. He had players from so many different cultures. So I never really got exposed to that hate or fear of hating someone, you know. I never got exposed to, you know, the stereotype of how m the Muslim culture is or, you know, um, I don't know, North Korea, for I mean, I've never met anyone from there, but I never really got exposed to that because I moved around so much and I met so many different people. So when I see how Camille sees it, it's making sense to me now, but I've never been a part of that. Well, so when you come to the U.S. and you, and you say that you've never experienced the type of... Uh, you know, hate or, or prejudice or whatever that you're experiencing. In what ways do you experience it? Like, are people actually like overtly saying things that are just horrible? Yeah, or? I think well, it's just the amount of crime. I think as well, the amount of crime here about it. I mean, maybe it's not always having to do with race, but you know, you can see how my I, I have colleagues, not colleagues, like former classmates, who would say something. Oh, it's because you know, because of their color of their skin, and. That'd be, I'd be like, come on, like, why are you saying that? And back home, maybe because I was also in an international school that I had, you know, other people that were from different cultures. We never had that. So when I came here, I was exposed to it, and I was in such shock because I never experienced that. And I think it's just because maybe of my, my circumstances are different. You know, I was always in, put in classes with so many different cultures. Well, you know what's interesting is um, in, a, in, a, in a situation where you... Um, are um, with with a lot of different cultures, yet yet of people of means that are able to be involved in kind of an international community, and, and then you enter into any country where you have this radical class disassociation, and then that class disassociation is often connected with uh, racial or national associations because of just the history of how that race yeah. came into that culture or whatever, then you have these like, you know, radical cultural clashes that, that are very, that, that they, people interpret them as the way people look, but really they're about this like complex class structure and yeah. history of the way people interact and That's stuff. Been carried on and carried on and carried yeah, on yeah, from yeah. generation to generation. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that really, um, when, you, when you're talking about like racism and xenophobia, it's one of the things, so we're living with another um, uh, American, Crystal. Hi, Crystal. I love you. Of course, um, she's listening. She's been a faithful course. listener. Yeah, for exactly. Years. Uh, yeah. She, um, so she's African American, and we we love her to death. But when I when I went to America, when I went to I, I've been to, I went to Colorado, San Francisco, Chicago, Michigan, and uh, Boston and New York, and when I went to South. We, you know, like we, of course, we we know like what happened, like the segregation. We know Martin Luther King. We know everything that happened to GFK. But I, I didn't think that it would have, it would still be there. Oh. It would be such a big part. Like when we interviewed uh, Crystal for being our third roommate, she asked us if it was okay if she was African American. Yeah. We were like, are you kidding? We were like, we were like. Why does that have to do with anything? Because she, we, the first contact we had with her, our former roommate who was moving out, 
was emailing her and the first email reply was okay she told us a bit about herself and she was like by the way does it bother you that I'm or is it a problem that I'm African-American and we I mean all three of us were like why would that be a problem and I've had an African-American roommate before her so I was like why is that a problem you know we, we never got exposed to that we're like what what is that are you okay to live with two Europeans yeah. <laughs> okay living with two foreigners like right, that's, yeah. that's how we saw it like okay why you okay let's just ask a ridiculous question then and uh, it was just the crazy. Thing is, though, is that like, you know, the, I think the lesson from that, at least that I take, is that, you know, history is not just a, a theoretical exercise. No, I know. It is ingrained in the people that live in a place. And hate is such a powerful emotion that it's it just, is. Yeah. And it's just in everything. It's in the way you, where you go, and where, you, where your parents go, and how you interact, and yeah. you know, and, and it's. As cultures, I mean, you know, you can see it in uh, Europe with uh, Muslim immigrants that move into uh, Western European culture yeah. and and how they integrate. And there's a lot of conflict, a lot of you know well, problems. Like my my grandmother, she was Greek, obviously. She didn't want to hear anything about Turkish people. Really? Yeah, you know. Because, yeah, it's just no. Oh God, no! Don't even mention it to her. Which was ironic because, or Macedonian people, which is ironic because in my, when I first moved to Slovenia, my two closest friends were Macedonian and Turkish. That's hilarious. Yeah, and uh, well, that's funny because I didn't care, like. just just as strange as it seems to y'all that you'd be like, why is you know uh, you know white and African American even a yeah, like that's issue, hilarious. Yeah. To me, I'm like Macedonian. Like, why would I even know anything to even think yeah. that there's a problem? Yeah, you know see, I mean? like, it's just you're like, why? Why would that be a problem? But yeah, you know, I mean, my generation doesn't care at all because I think uh, everything's getting more so globalized, materialistic yeah. that they're focusing on technology and what's the latest thing that they and I, that goes back less. to the global citizen. Yeah. You know, it's more like it's not about. Yeah, it's not about uh, my regional conflict. Yeah, it's about. I'm thinking beyond that. You know. And it's hyper-local and it's global. I think it's a, it's a radical change. And so, so, let me interject here and be the party pooper and say that as much as we've enjoyed y'all on this podcast, one day this, this war has to end. So, yeah. so I'm going to thank you. I'm going to thank Camille for being on the podcast with a mouthful of food. And I'm going to thank Ani for being on the podcast. I was glad to be here. Absolutely. Y'all are wonderful, and uh, we're glad you're in Rock Hill. Good. And, uh, yes. And it makes Rock Hill a better place and the world a better place to have you here. So um, I guess we will see you next week. And, and oh, wait, before I leave, uh, behind the mic, Micah, if you'd like to make a uh, profound comment. Well done, well done, well said, my friend, well said. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more. So um, we'll see you next week on Old Town, New World.